Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking your time for this. I really appreciate it. As we start, can you maybe talk a little bit about your current role and your company? You bet. My name is uh, Chris Gabler. I'm the chief marketing officer for a company called Logs.io, uh, headquartered in Tel Aviv, Israel, uh, with a presence in London, uh, Boston, and Kiev, actually. Um, I've been in Logs.io for about half a year. Um, before that, I was the chief marketing officer of a company called Gardacore, uh, which was acquired by Akamai Technologies. Um, before that, I was the uh, chief marketing officer for NetScout, uh, also based here in Boston. Um, so, and before that, I was in Arbor Networks and Kaspersky. So, lots of marketing roles and cybersecurity along the way. Awesome. And um, happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, and as a chief marketing officer, what what is in your purview? Uh, pretty big scope here at Logs.io. Uh, very excited to sort of uh, lead and manage and work with a lot of great people um, in my company over a number of roles. Um, when I think about marketing, the first thing I think about is the brand of the company, the health uh, of the story and what our position is in the market. Uh, so there's teams that focus on uh, product marketing and uh, PR and analyst relations and uh, influence relations and channel marketing, all the things that ladder up and help the brand presence of Logs.io uh, be stronger. Um, then, of course, uh, everybody cares about the pipeline. Uh, so demand generation and demand conversion uh, and all things leading up to a salesperson taking uh, an opportunity through the sales uh, process um, and actually working with them on that sales process. But uh, demand creation is definitely on my list. Um, customer marketing is a big part of what we care about. Um, Logs.io has over 1,200 customers, uh, ranging from Fortune 1000 companies uh, down to small, medium enterprise. Um, and, uh, you know, we care a lot about those customers. So in addition to delivering them what we uh, expect to be a great technical solution. We also want them to have a great uh, experience of dealing with us as a company. And so we design programs for and with our customers. Um, that's in my scope as well. Um, that's Those are three things on the list that I care a lot about. Awesome, excellent. And uh, as, as you can imagine, I mean, cybersecurity is such a growing field. It's every time I open TechCrunch uh, or something like that, it seems like, Every every week, there is a company raising hundred million dollars at unicorn status. Companies going public. Sentinel One, um, I think Cyber Reason just filed out of Israel. Coincidentally, yeah. um, a lot of M and A activity, um, obviously with uh, Gardicor and Akamai. Um, and it's as a result, it seems there is a lot of interest, not just from VCs and investors, but also from professionals uh, looking to make a transition uh, to cybersecurity and specifically marketing. So for someone who's just looking to make a career, maybe um, more junior professionals or even students, what do you, what would you recommend from your vantage point? If you were to give yourself an advice a few years ago, um, top, some of the things to focus on, what would they be? Uh, so I think cybersecurity is a very important field uh, to be in. I think the solutions that cybersecurity companies uh, are almost always beneficial. Um, 
uh, when you're a marketer, you care about the ones inside your company, but actually the industry, I think, provides the world with a great service. Um, and so it's a very attractive market, not just because it's growing commercially, but because it's actually very important uh, in the world we're creating for ourselves digitally. Um, so one of the things I would say is recognize how hard the job is for cybersecurity professionals. Um, they have a lot of choices. They have a lot of difficult decisions. Um, most of the time, cybersecurity professionals get noticed is when something goes wrong. And so, and most of the time something's going right because they're making good decisions. And so if you recognize how challenging their world is and looking for a way to now, it's actually delivering information clearly and authentically uh, that is valuable for their, their professional success. So I always think, you know, like any marketer, you would put the audience first. And in this case, it's really uh, professionals on the front line of protecting uh, the infrastructure and data that we all care so much about. And so actually just being authentic and, and good with them, it matters a lot. You can't spin something in cybersecurity long um, because the professionals have, you know, short attention spans for just BS. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a chance to be a very authentic marketer, which I, I would be curious. It's a, it's a ever, it's a quickly changing um, industry and technologies are becoming more and less relevant all the time and threats are changing all the time. And so I think you have to be really curious, like a true reader and listener and uh, someone who, uh, looks for expertise in various corners um, to bring that back to marketing uh, success. Um, pay attention to some of the best um, practices by other companies in the space and see what they're doing well while you aim to be uh, different. Um, so there's a really a lot of really smart uh, cybersecurity marketers and professionals, and I think uh, just seeing what they do these days is uh, very impressive. Um, so those are those are some of the things I would tell. You know, either my younger self or um, anyone interested in getting the space. It's uh, it's an ever expanding market. There's a lot of room for talented people, and uh, it's exciting. Certainly, certainly. Well, um, you mentioned that the world is changing. It seems like uh, it's recently. It's the pace of change is accelerating, and from the marketing perspective, I know if back in the day you would put your content in a uh, lead generation page and, and collect an email and then follow up with that person. You would rely on large scale events like RSA, uh, which I'm actually very curious to, to go after uh, almost two years uh, hiatus. Um, and it's now that people are talking about dark social, that a lot of connections actually happen outside of reach of marketing automation tools um, that are still focused on cap capturing intent and there, is, and there is always this um, tension between kind of the need of the sales team to generate leads um, and kind of an understanding that a lot of the total addressable market, they may not be quite there yet. They're, they're probably in the early stages of um, problem aware, category aware, solution aware. They're not yet at the kind of selecting vendors or whatnot. So there are all, all these kind of tensions and challenges. Also, technology is changing. So what is working for you now? I mean, without giving away your secret sauce, what, what's, what's some of the things that kind of um, outperform, uh, maybe even uh, surprisingly so? Uh, you mentioned a few things there that um, just reminded me of a couple of keys that are important for all marketers, certainly in our space. One is to be really clear about who your ideal customer profile is based on 
who they are, what their pain points are, and what value you can provide to them. I think too often we look at you know marketing and sales funnels as though volume of leads is better than quality, and it's always quality is better. You you know mapping what you do well to a very narrow target is always the best way to go, um, and that can guide a lot of the activities you do because if you're very clear about who you provide value for and you can identify them uh, clearly the conversation is more likely to be better for them and more valuable for you. Um, the best case scenario is that you find someone who needs your solution and you have the solution and you move quickly. The worst case scenario is you waste their time. They don't have the time to waste and now you've wasted your time and it's just a number on a chart of a bad conversion rate. So I actually think you know clear targeting is very important. Um, there's a lot more intent-based tools these days than I think there used to be. And those are very valuable for uh, marketers in our space that helps if you know what things people are searching for or what suggests that they have an intent to examine uh, change in their status quo that may open themselves up to a new solution. And so we use a lot more intent-based platforms uh, than we, we used to in the past. Um, I think we look for uh, video is used more. Uh, there's a lot of research to say the brain can consume uh, concepts through video form faster than they can on paper. Um, so, you know, there's no surprise the evolution of TikTok and other things just as a way to sort of convey ideas. And so short format videos is something that we've explored more uh, that, you know, convey an, a concept or an insight quickly, um, which you can then sort of binge watch your way through you know, many of them. But for someone to do a minute video or a webinar, uh, to derive a couple concepts. You can actually just accelerate the path, offer it up in snackable functions. Uh, and that's a um, value that you know we look to provide more and look for ways to do that. Um, a lot of storytelling is best told through partners. Um, so the cybersecurity who are often really well positioned to understand the complexity of their uh, customer environments. And if you're a smart vendor, you look for a way to work um, really well with, you know, partners who can who know your ideal customer profile the best. So partner marketing, video marketing, intent-based marketing, those are some of the things that, mm -hmm. you know, we look to uh, probably more than we did before. Um, you know, there's a long list of things to experiment with. The other thing is just continuous experimentation. Like, you know, the, there's much better data now. So marketing operations is a function that, you know, 10 years ago would have been thought to be sort of a nice to have function and now is central to what we do. And just looking at data and being smarter about programs and enables you to test and be more creative. Mm -hmm. um, those are some other things we do. Certainly, certainly. And, and you said partners, you mean channel partners, right? Ch exactly, channel partners. There's also technical partners, which can also uh, help and in integrations and things like that, or working with some of the big platform players, but I meant, you know, resellers and value-added resellers and mm -hmm. um, MSSPs and things like that. I understand, I understand. And then you mentioned um, ideal client profile. Uh, would CISO be kind of your ultimate champion? Is it, or is it maybe a, a VP director level? Who would be your, uh, your kind of best champion? Uh, for the long side of security solution, it's actually someone running a security operation center. Mm -hmm. um, so a director of a SOC 
uh, or someone who works closely with the DevOps team. And um, you know, we help uh, evaluate the software uh, performance and look at you know basically a cloud-based sim. And so you know, people who are close to security operations are the ones that we focus the most on. Um, I would say our approach to a CISO is that they're very important, obviously, and you know, instrumental, but most CISOs don't buy our software or they just let it off for the team that comes and recommends it. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is make sure the CISO is comfortable with the recommendation from a true user of our software who works for them. Um, and so I would say uh, wherever that is in the organization, we try and find the champion most likely to care a lot about our product mm -hmm. and then make sure that our credibility is substantial to the CISO and the other uh, senior decision makers on the team. I find that when you only approach the CISO as your point of entry, um, you know, you're, you're often just sort of like, you know, handed off to a team who then has to sort of like evaluate the CISO's recommendation when they're actually closer to the problem. I Certainly. find the best CISOs are, are the ones who let their teams choose their tools and they are, they're evaluating the relative effectiveness and ROI of it. Mm -hmm. Certainly, certainly. And so let's say um, a head of a security operations center, if you create content, uh, you mentioned short, short form video, um, you work through partners, you, you're telling your story, and then kind of you kind of hopefully move them through, through the funnel. Um, sometimes there are certain questions. I mean, I, I brought up uh, this uh, concept of dark funnel or dark social, as they, as they say. If, if you were to ask them a question, like a candid question uh, about how do you educate yourself about a certain problem, how do you select vendors, kind of to, to find out how do they make decisions, where do they go for... Uh, uh, where do they go for information? What would some of those questions be? I always ask people when I when I interview new employees what they've learned over the last twelve months, and what they what decisions they've made over the last twelve months that were that, that were not something they made a decision on before. I would apply the same to a cybersecurity purchaser. You know, what's a, what's a brand or a solution that you bought in the last 12 months? There's always something. You know, either they bought a new training platform or a new, you know, part of their firewall or a new micro-segmentation solution. And I asked them how they got to that decision. Granted, that is a very sort of like after-the-fact view, and they may not remember what the initial engagement was. But it does help them sort of like think about like the moments of trust that were built along the way. You know, they had a conversation with a, a peer who used that platform. They had a conversation with their reseller who, you know, was recommended these days. They, you know, may have um, had a conversation with an analyst at, you know, Gardner or Forrester or someone. And so you, you start to piece together that it's a multi-step pathway that they went through. Probably they did some search and probably they did some research and things like that. But um, I always ask them what they, what they did in the last 12 months. And you know, they always come up with some answer and it's interesting for me where they put that in context. I'm also, I also sometimes ask them where it is on their stack of priorities. You know, everybody walks around with a priority list, whether it's you know, for a house chore list or whether it's for a work uh, project list. And sometimes you find out that you, know, you fit into their seventh priority. Probably not gonna get done real soon. 
So you wonder like what's ahead of you and how do you get up to be in the top three? You always want to sort of be somewhere near the top of the list. Interesting. And so I asked them how they make the decision on what the priority list is driven from and, and who, who's, who's driving that prioritization, um, which also may lend itself to understanding like how some decisions may be made. Interesting. And so, so it's actually not only you're benchmarking yourself for someone you may consider a direct competitor, but also versus other projects and other kind of priorities on their list. It's very interesting. Equally important to me because, you know, if they're really needing to change their endpoint security and you're a firewall provider, but their endpoint is a real problem, the firewall competitors aren't even going to get the time of day because they've got a burning problem. Exactly. Um, or if they're, uh, you know, if they have a compliance challenge they're trying to, to resolve or whatever it is, if you can associate yourself with that problem, you can get in. Certainly, certainly. It's very interesting. Well, you mentioned a lot of things that are kind of new and working, like um, intent data uh, and things like this. Let's say you have a crystal ball that can see in the, into the future and 12 months from now, cybersecurity marketers, what will be the top three things they will be thinking about or using or getting good results from, you think? Um, well, for sure, more data will be the answer because it has been for so many years, just better, smarter data. Something around that I think will be valuable. Um, I always dream about tool reconciliation in our space. Like the MarTech stack is as complicated, I think, as the cyber security tech stack. Like there's so many different tools. It'd be nice to sort of like uh, connect them and bridge them better. Um, I think uh, a lot could be done in terms of uh, video optimization, you know, how, how, how people can consume video better. Um, those could be on the list. Um, you know, I think uh, the key is, I think it will be driven from where cybersecurity decision makers are getting their, their information. And I would say, even though we're in the easing out of the COVID era, the event management part of marketing is really sort of adapted to a more digital, visual, virtual, hybrid kind of activity. There could be something there too. I don't think like pure full-scale events are going to come back for a long time. Like your RSA dream and mine, I don't know that we get back to 2018 levels. Um, you know, so like if your if your thing is events, pure events, physical events, I don't know. But there's been so much innovation for how we connect online. Um, just a way to convey information quickly, even for the buyers. So um, I would just say like there probably could be something in, uh, you know, digital platforms that enable cybersecurity buyers to efficiently connect with, you know, good decisions. Yeah, it's interesting. It hasn't been a virtual trade show. That has not been the solution. It's actually very interesting because I, my, I, my background is a little bit in, in a conference space. So I'm I kind of very, I, I tend to still keep uh my hand on the pulse and uh, your perspective is very interesting because I think uh, as a counterpoint, uh, there is a certain level of Zoom fatigue. And uh, as pe some people do come out of kind of COVID restrictions, but this uh, uh, hybrid work or work from home is um, at least in, in certain environments and certain companies is, is a thing that will stay and go going forward. Um, and I think people do crave human connection and um, maybe not a large scale, as you mentioned, but certainly kind of maybe small scale dinners that are local. No uh, question, people crave it. It's something that will come back, but, and, and actually my last question will be on 
on, on that topic, it seems uh, uh, whether same skill or not, it seems uh, RSA and Gartner, for whatever reason, this year is going to be at the same time. So which one is it will, will be for you or maybe neither? Gartner's, Gartner's probably a little more relevant for us. I do think RSA is the industry standard security conference. Um, and uh, it's a great event. I, you know, I've always thought RSA has been put on well. Um, Gardner has a lot of value for our kind of decision makers. Um, I agree with your point that both could be uh, valuable to go to, but I think uh, you know we'll probably send teams to both. I see. I see. I understand. Chris, thank you so much for your time. This was. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. Take care. Thank you.